just like that, the second hour is here with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Hudden Withrow, Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. We've got Tim Brando, who will join us in 20 minutes. Kurt Schilling is on the program as well in a little over an hour. Chad, the first hour flew by. It did. That's what the show always excels when all three hours fly by. And I feel like if Matty Ice is over there looking bored at any point, then we need to pick it up. Yeah. But now I feel like we got one hour in, two hours to go. Let's make it feel like two minutes. That's the goal. I am surprised of how many stories have branched off from the women's Final Four. Yes. And I'm. what's the next headline that will be made from this? Our first lady, Jill Biden, wants to invite Iowa as well as LSU because... The champions go to the White House, and she says, we, we hope LSU will come, but, you know, I'm going to tell Joe I think Iowa should come, too, because they played such a good game, that from the first lady. I mean, the, imagine the drama of Iowa and LSU there together, which won't happen, I don't think. But, I, I mean, don't think there's any drama. Like, there's no... <laughs> well, I'm saying between, like, Angel Reese and there's but there's no Caitlin Clark's going on ESPN today like I love her I well, no one should ever criticize Angel Reese for any decision she ever makes <laughs> she is beyond criticism completely she's the greatest player of all time we both competed I mean there, it's just there's no well, animosity she, from Caitlin Clark to her but uh, right but Angel Reese continues to float Angel out Reese's complaints. animosity is to everyone who called them quote hood throughout the year that's her animosity but it's not. Caitlin Clark was just the the figure for which she pointed that animosity in that moment. She doesn't hate Caitlin Clark. Are we really going to give the runner-up a trip to the White House? If you're Iowa, do you take it? I mean, yeah. I, look, yeah. I, I am of the belief that anytime you get invited to the White House, you go to the White House. Sure. I don't care if you agree or disagree with the president that's in the White House. I said this forever when people would, if Donald Trump invites me to the White House, I'm not going, shut up. It's the president. You go and say, right. I don't care if you hate Joe Biden. Go meet Joe Biden and go to the White House if you get invited as an athlete. So regardless of politics or anything else, you go to the White House when invited. If you're Iowa, I do think it's dumb to want to go uh, to want to invite the runner-up to the White House when it's the champion that goes. And someone else who thought it was dumb is Shannon Sharp. And he said this on Fox Sports we're going to play you the clip, but he thought it was dumb for a very different reason than I thought it was dumb. Here is Shannon Sharp explaining why Joe Biden should not invite the Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball team to the White House. That's the part of winning a national championship. That's the part about winning the Super Bowl, the yeah. World Series, or the NBA title. Guess what, Skip? We get invited to the White House. Yeah. The losers don't get anything. This is not a participation award, and that's what's watered down sports in America. Yeah. Little Johnny and Little Susie get an award just because they were on the team, yeah. although they didn't win anything. All the teams, if you were in the league, you get a trophy. No, winners get a trophy. That's what life is about. You got to win. Skip, I don't get no get. I, what do I get by sitting at home doing absolutely nothing? I don't get a paycheck. I don't get. I don't get anything. I don't get the rewards of winning. And she's like, well. Give her a break. She doesn't understand. She was in attendance. She was in attendance. She saw what was going on in the arena. She knows the backdrop of this story. The number one trending topic. What was, Skip? It wasn't an LSU one. It was Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. Yep. 
And so she's she's a doctor. If she didn't know, she should have known before she opened her mouth and blurted this dumb scenario out Mm. because they played hard. Skip, everybody plays hard. But you get rewarded by winning this. In 2016, there was a, it's been out for a long time, Skip. They said optics. How do things yeah. look? Mm-hmm. Does Dr. Jill Biden understand how this looks? She, white America? Yeah. The losing side mm-hmm. is white America? Yeah. And she's like, you know what? Since the black, <laughs> the black, come mm-hmm. on, Dr. Biden, mm-hmm. you know better than this. Mm-hmm. Did you forget who helped put your husband in the White House? You're going to find out a very serious mm-hmm. hard lesson in, tw- in 24. Mm-hmm. You'll be like a Kentucky or Duke freshman. You'll be one and done. Mm. Now play with it if you want to. Now you try to appeal to a certain group that don't give a you know what about your husband. That every chance they get, you see how popular you are. Mm-hmm. You see how popular your husband is. Yeah. I tell you what, he'll drop another five percent if he do this. Let's mm-hmm. turn sharp there on Undisputed on Fox Sports FS1. I mean, what he's saying, while. It sounds, the, the last part, everything he said in the build-up to it, I, I agree with about participation trophy. and Yeah. First off, has Dr. Jill Biden ever watched a sporting event? <laughs> that, that A 17-point win is not an all-time classic game. That was not a great game in terms of being close throughout. They were down 22. They came back and made it a seven-point game. And then LSU sprinted ahead again and won easily. So it wasn't this all-time great game. A lot of points scored. It was great with the end and the drama and everything else. Um, so I don't disagree with what he said in the start. And the really sad thing, I think, just for America in general, is he's probably right. There's probably a lot of black people who would not vote for Joe Biden simply because of this that follows this story. Because it looks like he is pandering to the lily white angel of basketball in Caitlin Clark, who struck down mostly black South Carolina in the semi yep. and then went against mostly black LSU in the final and lost and now is a participation trophy. And here's your bag of cookies before you leave. Oh, we're going to make an exception now because you played so hard and you played so great. So now you get to come to the White House along with national champion LSU. It would be dumb for Joe Biden to invite Iowa for that reason. You invite the champion and not the runner-up. But while I think it's silly that this is the argument, Shannon Sharp is probably right about this argument. I don't think this is the one issue that would lose Joe Biden the White House. But I do think there's a number of people that are single-issue voters or they get one thing stuck in their head and that's the only reason they're going to vote for someone or not vote for someone else. He's probably right. There are a number of people who would say, yep, not voting for Joe Biden now. He's looking out for them and not us. So I'm out on Joe Biden. But also, like, I mean, when did this all stir up, this discussion, that it's, it's all about black or white? Was it the Elite Eight? Was it the final four? I think any time. Because you don't even have to you don't even have to start it. Well it's just there. But we did see where Coach Staley in the postgame presser after they lost for the first time in what was it? Sixty something games? Yeah. And she's pointing out like their whole path all season and saying, Hey, uh, we know what the media was saying behind the scenes. We've got people telling us and I don't appreciate it. And you know, we're not thugs. 
and point and I think she's referencing a pregame comment saying that Iowa's coach was saying we're going to be in a street fight or uh, something of that nature. Maybe it's more than that that she was specifically picking up on, but it has turned into something that the the, the participants in this really aren't wanting to discuss it. Caitlin Clark, who everyone wants to get on the show and have the you, Chad, you mentioned ESPN. She's like, yeah, Angel Reese can do whatever she wants. She's great. She's beyond criticism, according but, to Caitlin Clark. But, but the only one complaining right now is, is, correct me if I'm wrong here, is Angel, right? Yes. And let me also say this. Don Staley's a hell of a coach. How soft are you if you think someone's well, saying it's going to be a street fight is somehow well, I don't know, but a racial attack? But she, she, she referenced the, the word thug, and I'm thinking, what was this? And then in the, you can go to outkick.com for the quote, the full quote, but it goes back to a presser pregame where Iowa had said, like, we're, we're going to be in a street fight with them. But it's true. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying you're going to be in a street fight. No. It is a common sports analogy that's used for all things. That's not to say that you're... We're basketball players. We play the game the right way. It's not a street fight. Come on. Don't, that's being what overly done, sensitive to everything. What it's done is taken away from what was record number viewership. I don't think it's taken away from anything. And well, I'll, I'll it's, say it's, why. Like I, I think this is only adding... Now, do I think it's going to have some huge, massive impact on next year's regular season? No. Do I think Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese being in next year's NCAA tournament will lead to more record numbers? Absolutely. I think they'll surpass what they did this year if that happens. So I think overall it's good for the, the sport, but the racial element of sports has always existed. You don't yeah. have to duck it or hide from it just because this goes back to Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson, right? Most of white America would side with Larry Bird and the Celtics who had more white guys playing. And a lot of black America at the time would side with, with Magic Johnson. I don't look at that and think, and by the way, the country was much more racist then than it is now. We have gotten better with a lot of this stupid stuff since then. But I don't look at that and think, you know, every black person who loved Magic Johnson and hated Larry Bird hated all white people. The same as I don't look at it and say, you know, everyone who loved Larry Bird and hated, you know, Magic Johnson at the time hates all black people. I don't think either is true. Although in Boston, maybe that is the case with some of them. And their Celtics fans. Also, Celtics Lakers too, which is a of course. But America in the middle would be divided on racial lines. I think a lot of white Americans probably sided with Caitlin Clark in these games because they're not used to seeing a white girl play this way. I think Americans sided with Caitlin Clark. If not for Caitlin Clark, were you watching? No, but but I, that's they have record viewership not because of any of the other teams involved. It was her. So I don't think it's white America. I just think it's America tuned in to watch Caitlin Clark. But they didn't. They didn't tune in to see Angel Reese. But what happened the moment LSU won, and then this happened? Very much. If you if you dared to say it was classless to taunt a player for right. losing a national championship game, then you were doing that because oh, she's taunting the white girl. And here is the black girl doing that, and that's why you're doing that. Even but, if you just thought it was classless to begin with. I mean, but we so see we, this. we always end up going a little bit down these racial lines. But uh, always where like uh, the the you can't see me. I mean, watch an NBA game. 
Oh, watch, of course. I mean, this is the, the rare occurrence where you have the racism and sexism meeting at the, you know, the pinnacle here. Because I, we're not coming in and discussing whatever taunting was going on from the NFL or from uh, last night's national championship game. Um, we can certainly react to it and say, you know, there's class and class lists based on how people react and how teams and coaches handle certain things. Um, and we've referenced that with Alabama versus what we saw with Kansas State whenever they lost. Point being, the nation tuned in to women's basketball, and it was due to Caitlin Clark in Iowa. I don't think it had anything to do with South Carolina or LSU because if it did, we'd see numbers like this last year when South Carolina won. Yeah, look, I, I think it, it, it's just going back to the original point about you know Magic, Larry, and now Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese with, with a lot of people. And a lot of people just aren't, you know, they're too afraid to admit this about themselves or whatever. You know, I, I didn't grow up saying, man, every white athlete is what I aspire to be and they're my favorite athletes. I think every sport, if I go back and look at my childhood, my favorite player in every sport is black. David Justice of the Braves, my all-time favorite baseball player. Michael Jordan in basketball. Yep. Loved Reggie Miller. Loved Warren Moon. Loved Randall Cunningham, right? So it's not just 100% down the line, this is who you're going to root for because we've come a long way as a country, and that's not the case most of the time. But the same way we talk about representation in Hollywood and representation on screen. Right? There's a lot of people of different races that aren't white that for a long time in their life, they always looked on the screen and saw nothing but white people or mostly white people. And they will say that it is meaningful when you have representation on screen and you get to see someone who looks like you that's in a leading role in a TV show or a movie, and that's impactful. right? And I understand that. I, I, I totally get it, and I think that's a great thing overall when different races are represented in big-time spots or on the screen. Well, I do think the same goes for a lot of white people watching women's basketball to see Caitlin Clark. Yeah, but no one knew about there. Caitlin Clark until the Elite Eight. No, but now they do. It was up 103% from last year, though. Like, but, and I'm saying, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, we tuned in to watch her catch and shoot. Yeah. You know, and... That that was the that was the impact that she had on the Final Four and, and the Elite Eight. Whenever they're making their run through Louisville, as well. I totally agree. But my, but my my point being though that if you're watching the game, and for whatever reason you start rooting for Caitlin Clark, and in the back of your mind the reason is because I look like her or I identify with her, then that is a natural response. The same way that we're hearing a lot of every other race saying, "Hey." I represent with this on screen right now, so I'm drawn to it. I understand both. Would not at all be any excuse to say, now I hate that. I hate Angel Reese and LSU for that reason. You can watch that game and respect both. But no one... I watch LSU play with Kim Mulkey as the coach and how outgoing she is and outlandish she is with her outfits yeah. and think I can respect both parts of the way this game is played, right? But the conversation... And the contrast is what's fun. But the conversation starts with her taunting with Louisville. That's where it actually starts. But no one mentioned it until this happened. Oh, not defending the three. That was, that was a headline instead of the game. It was, it, I just find all the coverage of it odd considering I don't find the participants 
all that insulting with their with their trash talk. I find what Angel Reese did far worse than what Caitlin oh, but, Clark but, did. But I don't. But I guess what I'm saying is, I've seen that before. Yeah, but I, the, here's but we're once again going down the. If you can't acknowledge what Angel Reese did as being far more dramatic than what Caitlin Clark did, then you are dividing it down a racial line and saying you're only mad at Angel Reese for this reason. I don't care because I think overall I look at it as an interest thing. And I'm way more interested now in the women's game oh, for sure. and this rivalry because of what Angel Reese did. So I say thank you to Angel Reese for doing this because you've now given me interest in something otherwise I wouldn't give a damn about. So I appreciate that. I like the showmanship aspect of it. But if you're also going to argue that Caitlin Clark, when they slowed it down, you could barely see her do this one time across her face with a stone-cold killer look on her face. To the bench. Towards the bench, either her bench or maybe the Louisville player that was passing, is the same as Angel Reese on the free throw line in her face doing it and then coming up to her as the seconds are ticking down and following her on the court doing it over and over. It's not the same thing. It's just oh, not. One's over the top. One was over the top. But it's in response to the same gesture or the taunt. Right. Same thing, but over the top. Exaggerated. I, yes. But again, we've seen it. Though. It's the same gesture for sure, but one's very different from the other. Yeah. Uh, coming up, Tim Brando will join us. We will recap the college basketball national championship from last night. We will also look ahead to Augusta National and the Masters. That's next on Hot Mike. And we're joined by Tim Brando. Time to recap the national championship game, hit the big headlines from the college basketball world. But first, Tim, congratulations on the the contract extension with Fox Sports for football and hoops. Well, as they say, another team photo. So that's a good thing. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm really happy about it. This one's pretty meaningful uh, to me because it's going to ensure – uh, that I will have been on national sports television for 41 years by the end of its uh, its period, and who knows what happens after that. Uh, I right now I still feel like I'm I've uh, I've got my full repertoire, and my fastball and my breaking pitch are still good. So we'll see uh, how I feel in three years. But I'm I'm just blessed to be with uh, these people at Fox. I'd always wanted to be a Fox guy, uh, and now going into uh, uh, our tenth year. Um, and it'll be 12 by the time this one's done. Uh, I, I feel like I can say that I'm a Fox guy. So when you've been in as many places as me, <laughs> it's always nice to say you're somebody's guy. Tim Brando with us uh, here on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Tim, how do you describe the dominance of, of UConn through this bracket and all the way to the national championship? Well, if you look at it, uh, Jonathan, as it relates to the tournament itself, that was a pretty dominant run, yeah. you know, to win every game by double digits. Now, I, I do think that they were pushed uh, a couple of times in the tournament, but in each case, they were able to knock out uh, a team that had counterpunched, and that's important. That says a lot about the overall greatness of a program. So uh, I'm impressed by it, no doubt about it. It's a tournament, and yeah, you, you dodge a few teams because of the way the tournament is laid out. That's no different than 
any other NCAA tournament before, and uh, it's survive in advance. That's the way it works. I I do think that uh, they worked out their problems, and we saw it. I saw it firsthand. I had a half dozen of their games uh, going back to when they were undefeated, and uh, the first time they ever fell behind in a game was to a Big East team that happened to be Georgetown that finished in the cellar of the league. Uh, and Georgetown had a uh, a lead at halftime, had a uh, a six-point lead with under 10 minutes to play. And uh, Gamble had the rock to get them motivated to come away with a win. They won a couple of more games after that. And I think teams began to figure out by watching Big East teams attack them uh, where their weaknesses were. Uh, and there weren't many, but the one vulnerability really was uh, – the lack of a true point guard, the lack of a pure point guard who could distribute the ball and start the offense. And, and what Danny Hurley wisely figured out was why make that a problem? Why have that be a problem? Every one of my guys can put it on the deck and create for themselves. I mean, even Adamo Sonogo can knock down threes. He proved that at the very outset of the game last night. So he decided to bring Jackson you know, out to play some point. And that kid, who's his team captain, uh, I think was made an even better leader uh, when when he became uh, more of a point forward for his team. And it took pressure off Newton, who can really score and was actually better without having the responsibility of running the offense. And all those guys, the guys coming off the bench, Diara, Calcaterra, all of them were made better. And look, Caravan is a can't-miss talent. And he lived up to his expectations. Klingon lived up to his. And they had really two of everything. And, and I think that most teams in college basketball are really, really happy if they've got three go-to guys. And they had really four or five. And if they ran into any foul difficulty, they could get some ammunition off the bench. So they, they were a five-tool team yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and I think we saw that through the course of the three weeks of the tournament. So the discussion through the tournament about the lack of the Blue Bloods as we went through the Elite Eight, Final Four, but Chad opened the show discussing the UConn dominance with their fifth title and also how quickly the titles have come together. Well, Tim, five in 24 years, and you look at Duke, five in 25 years under Coach K, that's one coach, five in 24 years under three coaches at UConn, they're now tied with Duke. They're one ahead of Kansas. I'm talking about NCAA tournament championships. One ahead of Kansas. Right, right. One behind North Carolina. They're three behind Kentucky. It's remarkable what they've done in a relatively short amount of time. What is in the water in stores, Connecticut, Tim, that transformed that play, starting with Jim Calhoun and, of course, in the women's game with Gino Auriemma, into an absolute hoops haven? Well, first and foremost, uh, college basketball is so big there. Uh, And yeah, they have a football program. And to some extent, they threw that football program under the bus and were willing to do that by leaving the American and going to the Big East. I think they listened to their fan base. They listened to their donors who were willing to take hits. And by the way, that athletic program did take a lot of hits financially. You know, the Kevin Ollie situation needed to be worked out. That took a long time. Um, and, and, and I think in a lot of ways they had to watch some of their P's and Q's with decisions that they were making with the program as a result. 
going to the Big East, though, was the thing to do. Absolutely no doubt about it. Ali did get that title, uh, but he could not sustain the success. They needed someone that they felt like could sustain it. If they got into the Big East, they were going to need to sustain it. The pressure was on. There's no program and no head coach in the tournament field that had more pressure to get to the second weekend than, than Danny Hurley. And, and no one had more pressure once he got to the Final Four than Danny Hurley. And I think the, the players understood that, and they loved playing for him. If you go to one of his practices, you know, he's still a kid at heart. He'll get out there and, and uh, you know, go through the scout with uh, him playing the point for the scout team. You know, he, he digs that. Um, and the players enjoy it, too. He's got a staff that's got a couple of former head coaches, including Tom Moore, who was at Quinnipiac, and, of course, was part of what uh, Calhoun did to win some of those titles before. So he recognized the history of the program, the recent history and the, uh, and the history of going way back, which is a smart thing to do. You know, it's not unlike really what, um, even though they're different characters and different personalities, it's not unlike what Jay Wright did uh, at Villanova. He, he made sure that he brought all the past members of UConn, UConn, UConn uh, into the fold. And that's what Jay did by embracing Roley Massimino. You know, Roley uh, had kind of gotten away from the program, and then Jay became head coach. He brought him back in. Here come all the guys from 85. Here come all the guys that also played for Lapis. Uh, and and they, they built themselves, I think, and turned themselves in to a modern-day blue blood. Uh, I think there's no question Connecticut now will be mentioned in that same realm. Uh, you know, they have more titles than does Villanova from a national championship standpoint. But Jay got two in four years. And uh, they were they were the new standard. So Connecticut had to meet that standard, uh, and they have. Um, I think that a couple of things come to, to mind, though, also. Not just the UConn alumni base, but the cities of Hartford and Springfield adopting the program. Uh, the press corps, which is immense, that really follows UConn very closely. They do in both football and in basketball. Hell, the women's program's got its own television deal with SNY that runs uh, at the same time as the, uh, as the Fox deal does with the Big East. So this is a, a program now from a, from a basketball standpoint, men and women, uh, that is without question a top-tier uh, program. And look, um, there's no reason for, for Danny to think that he can't match what Calhoun did based on what he's already done, and I think he's ahead of schedule, and the top-shelf recruits that he's got coming in. Uh, next year, it might be an embarrassment of riches, depending upon who decides to stay. Tim, do you anticipate any coaches retiring now that the tournament's over, much like Jay Wright did? You mentioned him, much like Jay did last year. Well, I, Mike Bray certainly was thinking about it, yep. wasn't he? Uh, yep. And then and then all of a sudden, Raheem got the job down at South Florida, and which was a great hire. You know, he did an incredible job at Kennesaw State. Um, I think he's hooked on now, correct me if I'm wrong, with the Hawks doing has some capacity. Mike Bray does with uh, the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA. At least that's what I've heard. I uh, heard that at the Final Four this past week. Um, I don't know that anyone just yet is ready to do that. Uh, I, I really believe a lot in uh, the job that was done this past year at Creighton by their head coach, Greg McDermott. And, and Greg is – 
teetering up there around 60 years of age now. But he's got a really good team. He could have very easily been on the other side last night. It might have been a more uh, compelling game had it been Creighton and uh, Connecticut rather than San Diego State. Uh, we could go over what happened at the end of that San Diego State-Creighton yeah. game a million times. But but bottom line is I think you have to look at guys that are uh, about 60 or beyond and how they feel about themselves at this stage. Most coaches are addicted to their their jobs. They don't look at it as jobs. They don't even look at it as careers. They look at it as way of life. I know that's the way I look at broadcasting, and it's one of the reasons I'm ecstatic uh, to be at Fox uh, for three more years. I think coaches are similar, that they love what they do that much. So I, I don't anticipate much movement. I really don't. What did you make of Jim Nance's sign-off and the fact that, I mean, <laughs> we don't see this. Where if you have that gig, you don't give it up, especially if you're if you're you know keeping the other gigs that you're doing for the network. Right. Um, I, his his final you know, thank you for being my friend. What what did you make of it? And I, we did think of you. We brought this up earlier because he brought up the storytelling aspect of what he enjoyed so much. Yeah. By the way, I sent that clip to him, and he was very very thankful and um, uh, and reacted very favorable to it. And I. I told him, I, I said, uh, I, I hope I didn't upset you by letting you know that I thought your statement was wrong. And here's why it was wrong, uh, because it was a job that he loved. And I think part of the problem for anybody in his position is anytime you step down from something that's that big, uh, an event that's that large in scope, people think all of a sudden, oh, now he's uh, he's beginning to wind back now. He's going to slow down. And you have to answer questions about, uh, well, uh, how much longer are you going to do this? You know, I, I started getting that question uh, when I when I re-upped last time with with Fox, you know. And and really all I said when I was uh, re-upping the last time was I can see the finish line from here. That's all I said. People interpreted that as, oh, well, Tim's 62. He's going to be 65. Maybe he wants to get out. No, I, I don't want to get out. And Jim uh, is a superstar talent, a five-tool talent of television. And everything he he does, he does well. And and like uh, a few of those guys, there are only a handful that can do both studio as well as play-by-play tremendously. I mean, top shelf in any role, they're going to be outstanding. Uh, there's a lot for him to do. He loves his golf. He loves the NFL. He's got Super Bowls in front of him. Uh, he's working 40 weeks a year, and when he is gone, he's gone for long periods of time. I think, obviously, it was two things. Um, you know, I've, I've been married for, it'll be 45 years in October, uh, to the same woman, and we have two children and four grandkids. Uh, Jim has, you know, has had a, a second wife, and he's got a new children, a young family, to go along with uh, an older daughter as well, and he's about three years younger than me, I think. He wants to be able to spend more time and enjoy uh, his domestic life. And I, I think it's time for him to do that without a doubt. I, I couldn't keep his schedule. I go hard and fast for, you know, the uh, seven and a half months that I go hard and fast. But I don't have to leave and be gone for two weeks at a time, as he sometimes does. I mean, think about it. The NCAA tournament followed by the Final Four. And I, and I did do the Masters uh, for three years digitally for masters.com when I was still at CBS. And I remember going right from final fours to Augusta 
you know, you're you're gone for a long time, and you're doing uh, a, a lot of hours uh, when you're calling golf. You're just going to be doing – they're long days. I mean, they are. So I, I think he did the right thing. And at the same time, uh, the chairman of CBS Sports is a good man, Jim McKay's son, Sean McManus. And uh, I think Sean probably felt, and, and Jim did too, that it was time probably for someone else to take on greater responsibility. And and Iron Eagle is the perfect guy. I'm a big friend of his too and think a lot of his work. And, um, you know, there's plenty to go around in our business. And Jim, Jim has controlled it really on the same level that Brent Musburger did uh, before him. Uh, and I remember when Brent left, I was there working at ESPN when in 1990, he surprised us all in Denver and, and, and walked away and CBS and he severed ties. Uh, I don't think anyone thought, including Jim, that he would hold that position for 32 years. So it's, it's a win-win I think for him and for CBS. Tim, I think every announcer that calls games, whether they admit it or not, they have a favorite sport or a favorite event they like to call. For Jim Nance, do you think it's golf, uh, specifically the Masters, yes. given his golf background? Yes. And I'd be curious, yes. what's what's your favorite sport? Uh, it's a tie. I, I, I got to tell you, it's a tie. I love college football. There's nothing I want to do more. I've been asked many times, Tim, wouldn't you have um, preferred doing the NFL? And I'm like, absolutely not. Uh, I love uh, sports broadcasting, period. But there are some sports that are near and dear to me in college football and college basketball are, are really 1A and 1B. Um, and I could flip them in midseason. If you could add, if you ask me what's your favorite in football, I'd say football and basketball, I'd say basketball. Uh, the one sport that I wish I could have cracked and done more of would be golf. Uh, that, that is a hard roster to crack. Uh, most of the, uh, the people that you watch calling golf are either former players, former teachers, even uh, golf architects uh, are on uh, golf broadcasts. But I know the game, and I also know what not to say. I think most of the mistakes that you see made in golf are made by guys that don't know what not to say as opposed to what to say. Um, but look, it, you know, I, I did a few. Uh, uh, I did a few tournaments for CBS at the 18th Tower to replace Jim a time or two. I, I noticed that um, uh, he's taking a few more events off. Uh, as well. And, and uh, the young man that replaced me is also getting to do a lot of golf now. Andrew Cavallon is very good at it and I wish him well, but uh, football and basketball at the collegiate level for me is dream come true. I grew up on it. It's what I always wanted to do. My heroes were the guys that called it. Uh, I, I did my baseball for a period of time. I got to do the Braves when they won it all. Uh, but I don't want to work around the calendar anymore. I don't want to not have that four, four and a half month period that I have right now to recharge my battery because I want to bring the same passion and energy at this stage of my career to every show I'm a part of. And I don't know that I could do that if I were working around the calendar, literally in every sport, you know, 365 days out of the year. At some point, if you really want to be the best at something, then be more specific and become more. Uh, well known, established, and 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 uh, maybe to some extent uh, a, a go to guy for interviews. Somebody wants to know something about college football or college basketball's currency or its history. 
I feel like that people know that I'm I'm there, that they can come to me. Um, I wouldn't do anything differently uh, with regard to the sports that I've covered. I've I've done some NFL, even some important NFL games, but I would never want to give up college football to get an NFL gig. If you need me to pinch hit when college football is over, I'm fine. And I've done some of that for Fox. And I certainly did a lot of it at CBS too. Spencer did as well. So I'm doing exactly what I want to do, but it is a tie between college football and college basketball for me. Tim Brando has been our guest. Tim, thank you as always. We appreciate it. Always great perspective and analysis for sure. And uh, let's, let's catch up soon. Let's get you back on soon. Happy to do it, fellas. It's always a pleasure. And uh, hey, I don't know how much you've talked about it, but let me just say to my friends in media today in the aftermath of yesterday's stuff about you know uh, what happened at the Women's Final Four, this just in. The media drives the narrative, whatever that narrative is. And I think what happened in women's basketball is we have a Magic Johnson-Larry Bird rivalry coming aboard, and I can't wait to watch it continue. <laughs> I just said the same exact thing, Tim, about the comparison between the two. So, yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree. Hey, thanks for hopping on with yeah. us. Always appreciate your time. Thank My you. My pleasure, fellas. Anytime. You bet. Great. Tim Brando there with Fox Sports. We'll have him on again soon. Love having him join the, the conversation. Same goes for Cam Rogers. He is the betting analyst for Stadium, and we will dive into the Masters and what's going to happen at Augusta National. That's next on Hot Mike. And Cam Rogers joins us. He is the national TV betting host on Stadium. Plus, you can c catch him on the Believe Network as well, the podcast network. Uh, great job, as always, as we talk golf and Augusta National and everything in between. Cam, great to have you back on, man. How are things? What's going on, guys? Great to be with you. Happy Masters Week. Yes. It's a beautiful week in sports. The Azaleas are in blue. We made I it. We made it. Um should yep. we should we bet on any player uh or just take Scotty Scheffler and know we're going to win? Well, I will say that the Masters typically is a chalky event, right? So I would certainly not get too cute with your outright selections. And certainly, please, please, if you do anything, just make sure you don't bet on Tiger Woods to win this week. He's not going to win this week. You're throwing money into a fire. I mean, 66 to 1 is absolutely ridiculous, but there is a short list that I have. And I like Rory this week. I like Spieth. I like Scheffler. I think those are guys to keep an eye on. Colin Morikawa is inside my very short list as far as the outrights are concerned. So, yeah, it's going to be an electric leaderboard, I think, on Sunday. Based on the weather that's expected, who does that favor of who you just mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. I think the weather is the big-time storyline right now, guys. We're talking about a weekend where... We're staring at rain. We're staring at 50 degrees as far as a high, particularly on Saturday. So that favors typically the bombers of the PGA Tour because if you're a shorter hitter, you don't get as much roll off the tee because you have a very soaky, wet golf course. But if you're a long hitter, you're okay. You get that advantage because you're still hitting it very long. So Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, 
Jason Day, who you saw on your screen. These guys are very long off the tee. They will have shorter shots into these greens. There's going to be more pressure on, say, the Jordan Spieths of the world and the Colin Morikawa's of the world who will have longer shots into these greens, less margin for error with their irons. Any... um... Any smarts in looking at this field and looking at the weather and trying to equate it to British Open-like conditions in terms of players that you would favor that are good in those types of conditions? Is this a, is this more of a European feel to this event, given those 50-degree temperatures and possible bad weather over the weekend, Cam? Well, certainly with what's happening in the atmosphere, right? What's happening on the actual surface is a lot different than a link style golf course, right? Link yeah. style, typically, you know, you got flat, not a lot of tree lines and a lot of water at, at, uh, at least uh, during the coast. And when you're playing along the, the water there, some water here at Augusta national, obviously at amen corner. But yeah, I think, you know, if you have the mentality to grind, if you've played well at us opens before at British opens before, if you're a Shane Lowry, a Tommy Fleetwood, a Danny Willett, if you're very good in bogey avoidance, Yes, that's going to be a factor here this week, I would say. But the way in which you attack this golf course is going to be the same, right? You need to be long off the tee. You have to hit your approach shots into the right areas of the green, not just on the green, the right areas, and then know where to lag putt and where not to lag putt. So I still think you you have to think your way around this golf course. You certainly have to be an artist. That's why you've had the likes of Phil and Bubba and Jordan Spieth win here because they have that creativity element. Cam Rogers with us from the Believe Network and also on Stadium. Uh, final two minutes here. Is there a prop that you love? Is there a first round bet that you love uh, based on how you think conditions will be and how guys score low coming out of the gate? Well, I'm picking Rory McIlroy to win. I might as well pick him to start strong on Thursday. Let's do it. Number one in driving distance. He crushes par fives. Third in strokes gained total in majors over the last five years. His tee to green game is absolutely immaculate. He wants this final leg of the career grand slam. I think it happens this week. Starts off strong on Thursday, which is not typical for Rory, but I think he finally turns that corner here this week. Looking at the odds right now, McElroy plus 700. Is that what you had him at? Yeah, he's a strong favorite. I think Scheffler is five to one. Yes, yes. Cam, always great perspective, man. And, and we appreciate the advice. We're, Chad's over here placing his, uh, his bets I've as got, we speak. Uh, I just looked it up. Roy McElroy at plus 1,400 oh. to lead after round one. Oh, okay. And that's uh, the best odds. So I'm, I'm putting a bet down right now, Cam, based on your recommendation. Thank you very much. Go ahead and lock that in, gents. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Cam Rogers there at Mr. Rogers 99 is where you can follow him on social. Uh, great advice. Follow him. I feel like he gave us as a well. winner last year. Like, I remember having really good it feelings about McElroy Cam again. afterwards that, well, Scheffler last year who won it. I know, but, it, but, but oh, I'm oh, thinking he had something. Yeah, he had something specific with the Masters last year that he gave us. Coming up, Aaron Rodgers. We dive into the latest there. We'll hit the headlines, which. We'll also include uh, the Cardinals. We've got the Minnesota Wild with some uh, injury news to discuss. And we also discuss Lamar Jackson and the latest news to report and speculation. Fitzpatrick winning the U.S. That's Open. It. Cam nailed it. it last year. That's what he gave us. So that's why I just bet big money on Roy McElroy to uh, lead after round one with plus 1,400. 
Jed, what are the odds for national championship a year from now? Have you seen those? I saw some of it. I, UConn has, I believe, the best or close to the best odds to repeat based on who they have coming back. I mean, I, there's no way I'm betting that a future, a, a future bet right now. Transfer can't, portal. I can't get excited about something that just ended for next year. That's fair, too. You know, we get into mid-football season, I'll start looking at some futures for college basketball, but not until then. The latest rumors and reports from across the National Football League. And then Michael McHenry joins us. Third hour, straight ahead on Hot Mike. <laughs> 